Hi, I'm Megan. I'm Colin, and this is Pet Sitter Sitter Confessional. Confessional. An open and honest discussion about life as a pet sitter. Brought to you by Time to Pet and Pet Perennials. Accounting and finances might not exactly be the most exciting topic that we can think of, but it is absolutely critical to running and operating your business so that you can be showing up for your clients day after day and year after year. And so we're really excited to have Vicki Clark, the pet accountant, on the show to talk all about the ins and outs of finances, accounting, how to have good record keeping, and really what it means to be organized so that our business can excel. Let's get started. Hi, Colin. Uh, yes, thank you for having me. Um, so just to give uh, your listeners a bit of a background uh, on myself and what I do, um, I started in finance from quite a young age. I was a bit of a geek uh, at school when it came to numbers. And I went on to do a degree uh, in business and finance, uh, which again wasn't the most thrilling of uh, degree topics to do. Um, and then from that point, um, I did various sort of accountancy, financy jobs, um, and then sort of went off traveling and did the usual, and then came back and did a few sales jobs, which didn't really enlighten me much. Um, and then my uncle actually owns his own accountancy firm. And around about six years ago, um, he contacted me and said, look, you know, why don't you come on board um, with the view of taking over? And then fast forward six years, here we are. Um, He didn't really let me do much uh, of where I wanted to go with the company whilst he was sort of still uh, full time. But now he's due to retire uh, this year. He's basically given me full reins on the business. So that's where the pet accountant came from. So a lot of my clients over the last sort of five or six years have been sort of pet sitters, pet boarders, groomers, doggy daycare and all that sort of um, niche. And it just happened that one day my one of my clients said to me, you know, Vicky, this is an industry that doesn't really talk about finances and doesn't really have a grip on it. Um, mm. Maybe you should look into that. And it was weirdly just one night I thought, you know what, I'll, I'll put a post on Facebook and, and see what happens. Um, and it's just that was in beginning of January, sort of end of December, and it's just gone absolutely mad. And the amount of people that I've spoken to, it it does highlight a lot that this is an industry that you know the finance side of it and the bookkeeping and the tax returns are at the very bottom of everyone's to do list. Mm. Um, people don't tend to talk about it. They you know some people don't do them. Some people haven't registered. And then obviously because of COVID um, last year, a lot of emphasis, for especially for self-employed in the UK, was, you know, you're only going to get money based on your tax returns. Now, a lot of people hadn't even submitted a tax return, maybe done them wrong. Um, so all of a sudden, there was a massive focus on, on tax returns. Um, and I think that's probably helped push it a bit more further up the list for people than maybe it was before. Um, so yeah, so now I dedicate my services purely to pet professionals, um, and, and try and help people sort of get their finances in order really. Yeah, it it really is an industry where people get in to take care of pets first and foremost. And then kind of, they look up a little while later and they go, Oh, I actually am running a business. 
what does that mean? And we start trying to piece these things together of, okay, now what does it mean? I have to operate as a business. What does that mean? So why is accounting and looking after our finances in a business so important? I mean, it's probably the most important part of the business. And you're 100% right. A lot of people who get into the pet industry, you know, are pet lovers, you know, their main focus is looking after the pets and, and doing everything right, that aspect of it. But then, like you say, they, they forget about the fact that they are running a business. They do need to make money. Um, you know, and if you don't keep on track of your finances, then there's just no way that you can understand where your business is going. You know, are you making a profit? Are you making a loss? You know, are you running the business and actually not making any money because you've completely ignored that side of it and are just loving the fact that you get to do what you love to do? Um, but like you say, they forget about the actual business side of it. And, you know, if you don't get a grip properly, you end up in trouble with HMRC. Um, I don't know what, what you guys have or your equipment is over there. Um, but the HMN Revenue and Customs, you know, they're not very lenient. So if you don't if you do not do something that you're supposed to, it doesn't matter what excuse you give them, they don't care. Um, they will find you left, right and centre and the fines will just keep coming until you pay it and, and sort yourself out. So, you know, there's a lot of people out there that you, they've got such good businesses, you know, dog groomers, pet sitters, like really, really good um, opportunities to make you know a profitable business but if you're not looking at you know what money you're taking in and what you're spending then it's going to be impossible to to sort of grow or make any money off, out of it rather than it just being a hobby yeah there's the the legal aspect like you said where um over here we've got the irs and in, in the u.s that, right. that goes after our, our taxes uh and uh record keeping and all that good stuff and then we've got state local and we've got federal uh, reviews that can take place. But then I, I, I think that one of the really important things is that it, you mentioned it a little bit about the importance of being able to make sound decision in our business, that if we yeah. don't know which services are making us the most money, if we don't know that we're making <laughs> money or where we're, where we're, our, our, our expenses are, we, we, yeah. we're making less informed decisions and we can't respond and we can't adapt as we need to when things start changing. No, exactly. No, you've got people that are spending money on things that they probably shouldn't, or, you know, there's there's months where maybe they don't make as much money, but because they haven't analyzed their figures, you're never going to see that trend to then think, right, you know, if you looked at your figures and said, right, maybe July and August is a quiet month for me, what can I do in those months to make up the income mm. and come up with new ideas? But if you don't track that, then how do you know when you are making money and when you're not making money? And again, with us in the UK, once you hit a certain uh, amount of turnover, you have to register for that. Um, and again, if you don't keep track of how much money you're earning and you go over that threshold, then again, you, you you get into a world of trouble with HMRC and it'll end up backdating everything and it just gets a bit of a mess. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> you're yeah. 100% well, right. Yeah. Now, VAT is uh, the value-added tax, the VAT. Yeah. And, and I think that's – we've mentioned a couple distinctions here. You're, you're based in the UK, and so I, I know nothing about the tax system in the UK, but we have many listeners uh, in that neck of the world. So what are some some basics that 
you need to be aware of if you are running and operating a pet sitting business or dog walking business in the UK. Okay, so going back to complete basics, if you start a business um, and you start trading, whether that be you know pet sitter, pet walker, groomer, whatever, um, you have to register with HMRC within ninety days. Um, if you don't, then you could get a fine. Um, I, I honestly probably spoke to over 200 businesses over the last few months, and I would say 90% of them have not registered with HMRC yet, which is a scarily high figure. Wow. Um, and yeah, no, it, it was quite shocking for me, to be honest. I, I couldn't believe it, to be honest. But um, at the moment, because obviously I think because of COVID, the people who have registered retrospectively have not been fined. But that's not to say that they could start doing it. I think that's purely because of COVID. Um, but yeah, so you have to register within 90 days. Um, a lot of people have said to me, well, you know, I, I just started it and I wanted to see how it, we, we would get on and then I'd register. You, you can't do that. Um, or, you know, I only made uh, a couple of grand, so I didn't bother doing a tax return again. You can't do that either. Or my favourite, uh, someone on Facebook told me I didn't need to. Um, which is uh, which is probably more often than not happens. Um, you know, my friend on Facebook or so and so on Facebook said, "Oh, I didn't, I didn't need to do it." Mm. You must, must, must register within ninety days of starting. If you have another job and then you're doing your pet business on the side again, um, you have to do a tax return and put both jobs on the tax return. Um, that's another one that people said, "Well, you know." I didn't earn that much, so I, I didn't bother. Uh, whatever you earn has to go on the tax return if you've got another job because that income is added to the income for your other job. Um, so, yeah, so tip number one, register within 90 days. Um, that can be as a sole trader or a partnership or a limited company. Um, it's all the same. You must register within those 90 days. Mm. Um, the VAT threshold currently stands at 85000 so when businesses hit 85,000 turnover, they must register for VAT. Um, and again, saying VAT to a few people sort of scares people because they don't want to have to charge VAT on dog walks. Um, you know, I've got a dog walker who's got a very successful business and she's she's coming to the point where she's going to hit the VAT threshold. And we've had loads of conversations because she, she's like, well, I don't really want to have to add VAT to a dog walk. It sounds ridiculous. <laughs> you know, oh, yes, I'll walk your dog. It's, you know, £15 plus VAT. Um, it, it sounds bizarre, but unfortunately, there is no way around it. You either don't earn as much money and stay underneath the threshold, which is madness, um, or just push through it and get someone to help you. Um, so that that would be another a, another big tip is just don't be scared of the VAT threshold. A lot of people in the UK see it as like a barrier because they don't want to have to add VAT to their prices. Um, but unfortunately, it's just one of those things that you have to do. And if you've got a business that's making that sort of money to start with, then you know you should be pleased with yourself. Um, not everyone can make eighty five grand, so. Um, again, they should see it as a positive. Um, another tip with regards to HMRC is get your tax returns in on time. So the way it works over here, I don't know if you know, Colin, our tax year runs from the 6th of April to the following 5th of April um, is our tax year. Mm. 
and then people have to then submit and pay their tax return by the following January just to make it extra confusing. So the tax year runs from April to... I know, it's madness. I don't know why they do it like this. It just confuses everybody. Oh, my. So, for example, the tax... I know. So, for example, the tax year that ran from April 2020 to April 2021 this year, which has just finished, you then have until January 2022 to pay and submit your tax return. Mm. So there's there's a good gap uh, in between, and I think this probably lends itself to why it's on the bottom of people's to do list because people go, oh, you know, I've got till January, it's fine, and then they get to January and they think, oh God, I haven't done my tax return, I've got like three weeks to submit it, and then they realise they've got a massive tax bill and how they're going to pay it. So, you know, I'd always advise people just get your tax returns done sooner rather than later to avoid any nasty fines because. As soon as you're late submitting the tax return, again, HMRC will slap you with a £100 fine. Um, and again, they, they don't care about your excuses. You know, you could say anything and they, they'd still fine you. Um, so get, get it in on time, get it done well before the 31st of January. Um, and then you should, you should be all right. And obviously get your record keeping together month by month rather than leaving it until January and getting it done. But they're probably the main areas where people sort of fall down that I found from speaking to them is not registering on time and, and not getting their tax return done on time. Mm. Well, I, I see many similarities for running and operating a business over here in the US. Like uh, It's obviously a little bit more dependent on county, state, and, more, and even at the federal level about yeah. where you live here in the US. Some cities require you to register some don't some counties require you to register your business some don't and depending on if you're selling goods and service if you're selling products sometimes you have to register mm-hmm. for taxes if you're just doing services sometimes you don't so it's a little bit more patchwork and which can make it really confusing and so i always recommend um, people who are starting their business in the u.s to go and talk to a local business network, to go and get, get connected with other professionals and to start with your city yeah. and go from there because they're going to have a little bit more guidelines and then you can kind of work your way up because you, you don't want to miss these things. You don't want to be operating in a way that um, means that you're operating outside of the, the rules or the regulations or things like that. Like it, it, it helps everybody. When yeah. when we're working like that, and we're we're, we're get, getting all of our eyes dotted and our t's crossed. Yeah, exactly. And you know, just it makes you know your life a lot easier, and you can focus on the business and focus on doing what you enjoy and doing the job, rather than worrying about you know whether you've got your tax return done or, or whether you've registered or you know what you've registered as uh, is another big thing here in the UK. There's a lot of people who don't really know what to register so we have sole traders partnerships and limited companies mm. and again some people will register as a limited company when they don't need to be and vice versa um from my perspective from a from a purely financial perspective whenever i speak to a new client and they're just starting out in business and you know they're not very business savvy i always say look start yourself off as a sole trader because it's a lot easier um, all you have to do is register with HMRC, and that's basically it. There's very few rules with regards to a sole trader and what you can and can't do. 
Whereas a limited company is a lot different. You've got two different elements. You've got separate bank accounts, payroll, um, corporation tax, and then personal tax. Um, And it does get a bit messy. And again, a lot of people will go down the limited route because they've seen other people do it or because people on Facebook have said it's the best route. And, you know, there are a lot of benefits of a limited company Um, when you're earning sort of £30,000, £40,000 profit, then 100% you should definitely be a limited company. So if there's anyone out there who's currently a sole trader who's making that sort of money, then I would definitely consider being a limited company because you will get the tax benefits from being that. Mm. Um, but when you're just starting out and your profits are low and you don't really know what you're doing, you know, if you hire an accountant here, for example, you'll pay something, anything from three to five hundred pounds for a sole trader accounts, and then for limited company accounts, anything from twelve hundred to two thousand pounds a year. Um, which is a massive difference. So if, if your profits are minimal, the last thing you want to do is have them to shell out two grand to an account to do your books, um, which will be minimal anyway. Because in the US, we have sole proprietor, we have limited liability uh, corporation company, and then we've got S-Corp. And some of those are business right. organizations and some of those are tax organizations. And you're right, when you're just starting out, um, you, you want to try and go with the simplest possible because you can the good thing is, is you can change your classification as your company grows and expands. And I think too often we start thinking 10 years down the road or, you know, five years down the road to, okay, what am I going to be? And it's like, well, you're not there yet. You're, you're here right now to keep things simple. And then we'll add complexity as we need to. Yeah, exactly. Keep it simple. You know, you don't want to add more things to your to-do lists that you don't really know what you're doing. Um, and again, I always get the question, you know, can I do my own tax return? I don't know if how complicated your guys' tax return is. Um, but you know, anyone in the UK can do that you can do your tax return yourself. That, that's absolutely fine. But I always say, look, are you comfortable in knowing that you're getting the most out of that as you possibly can? Because there's a lot of people who do it themselves that don't necessarily, you know, claim all the expenses that they can claim. Or, you know, there's certain rules that means you can carry stuff forward um, and offset against various things, uh, which, again, people don't know, um, which they're not going to know because it's not not their profession. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I would always say, look, if, if you're not confident, get someone to do it, whether it's a bookkeeper or an accountant, you know, even if you've got a friend who's an accountant or with a bit of financial knowledge, um, because... I saved one new client seven grand uh, this year already because she wasn't going to put through a certain expense um, on her books when she could have. And if she'd done it herself, she would have got a £7,000 tax bill. Mm. Um, But because she asked me to do it, she didn't even have a tax bill. She just had a national insurance bill, which was like 150 quid. Wow. Um, So there's a a massive difference um, between doing it yourself and not really knowing what you're doing and just biting the bullet and getting some help. Because like you said, you know, when you're just starting out, you don't want to be having to worry about all the financy side when you can get someone to do it for you and then you can build other elements of the business up. Have you heard of Time to Pet? Susan, the pet gal, has this to say. Time to Pet has helped us grow exponentially. 
We believe the platform's features make us by far more professional than other companies who use conventional dashboards. They are the software gurus constantly developing and improving the platform based on user feedback. This decision was a good one. If you are looking for new pet sitting software, give Time to Pet a try. Our listeners can get 50% off your first three months by visiting timetopet.com slash confessional. And I think what's important with that, too, is that even if you do decide that you need to bring in somebody else to help you with those numbers, that you still need to at least understand what's going on and still understand the, the back work and the things going on behind the scenes. Because just because somebody else is doing it, you still need to know those numbers and figures to be making those decisions and to understand how the business is operating. Yeah, exactly. Um, I always, you know, I always talk through stuff with my clients. So I always make them do um, their record keeping every month. Um, and at the end of the year, when I do their accounts and I give them their set of accounts, whether it be a sole trading limit company or partnership, I always sit down either face to face or over Zoom, depending on where they are, um, and go through the accounts with them because I want my clients to know exactly where the money's going how much money they're getting and you know and then plan and say right you know where do you want to be next year um you know how are you going to get there you know what are your goals and i think again a lot of people don't necessarily write their goals down or you know have a have a plan um you should always have a business plan it doesn't necessarily have to go anywhere just for personal use um i would always have a business plan say right what are my short term goals what are my long term goals how am i going to achieve it you know, what do my figures need to look like um, if I want to get to this point by year three? Um, and again, if you don't do that, then you're never going to know and you'll just tick along sort of oblivious to what's going on and whether you're actually making some money out of it. <laughs> yeah, being intentional about our actions. And I think that we're all wrapping up the tax season um, or still working on some documents. Thinking ahead to next tax season, what are some things that we can be doing right now to be intentional, to start getting organized, uh, to, to be better prepared next time around? So I would say the main bit and the main people, the main part that people fall down on is, is record keeping. And um, a lot of people just, you know, I've had receipts given to me in freezer bags, um, bin bin bags. Uh, boxes shoe boxes all sorts and you know there's no organization there whatsoever so my tip would be you know get organized now and set aside an hour every month or a couple of hours every month and get those um receipts on the spreadsheet you know have a look at what you've earned that month and keep track every month do it the same every month how much you've spent you know what your income is and then by the time that you get to the t- end of the tax year, you've got a good overview of how you've done over the, over the 12 months. And you can see, right, I, I've got a good record. You know, if you do go on an account or a bookkeeper, you'll get charged less because you're organised. Um, but that would be my main my main tip would be look, just get your record keeping down, get that sorted um, and just make sure you carry it on throughout the year. Because a lot of people sort of, all right, I'm going to do it. And then the last two months and it ends up in a shoebox. Um, and then they just have a mountain of paperwork and receipts everywhere that they've got to go hunting for. Um, so I would say, yeah, get your record keeping sorted first. 
and that that's a good basis to get you up on the right track because mm. um, at least yourself you can keep track of where you are every month right do you have a recommended software or program that you you like to use or that you recommend people use to keep track of these kind of uh, expenses you've just prompted me i was just thinking that there was something else i wanted to say and i could not for the life of me remember what it was you've just prompted me yes yeah, so oh. <laughs> i i personally use quickbooks um just because i find it easier to use the others that are available you know they all pretty much do the same thing so free agent zero quickbooks sage um they all do the job um it is just per- down to personal preference and how it's laid out basically um i personally use quickbooks um just because i think it's easier um and again uh in the uk in 2023 everything's going digital so mm. from that point everything has to be on a software like QuickBooks. There's no more diaries, spreadsheets, paper everywhere. Um, it, it has to be all uploaded to QuickBooks. You have to have a receipt to back up every expense that you put on there. Mm. Um, and yeah, it's going to be a bit, of a, a bit of a task. But for anyone who doesn't know about that, if you if you type into Google Making Tax Digital, um, you'll get a whole load of information on there. Um, but it, it is expected to come into force in 20, April 2023. Obviously, it depends on what happens with the world with COVID, so who knows. But um, technically, it should be coming in in 2023, and I, I can't see them pushing it back unless, you know, there's another massive disaster. Well, so that's got me thinking of, okay, so, and I, I love that, of, of record-keeping going digital, because I'm I, I not a, I love paper for note taking, but for record keeping, I like yeah. it to be all digital. What? How do we move from a paper based business to more of a paperless way of operating? Um, with a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, I'd imagine. Um, <laughs> a lot of a lot of my clients don't do technology, um, and you know everyone like say is used to you know just having everything the old fashioned pen and paper. Mm. I mean, I have a file of facts, which is like a paper diary. That's how old school I am. Oh. I don't even use an, like an online calendar. I just hate it. <laughs> just don't. I just prefer writing stuff down. So I'm complete opposite to you. I prefer writing stuff down on paper. But yeah, you know, it's just going to be. You know, I've said to people. This year was going to be my year that I was going to get all my clients on QuickBooks and do tutorials to say, right, this is how you do it. This is what you need to do. But obviously, because of COVID, um, I didn't think this year was probably the right year to do it. Um, so I've just said to everyone, look, just carry on doing what you're doing, but come April next year or maybe slightly before, I'm going to try and get everyone set up. And it's just be a case of you're just going to have to be very strict with yourself and you're going to have to set time to do it every month and it's going to be like taking pictures of the receipts uploading them to quickbooks and then you can bin the receipt so the whole point of of everything going digital is that you don't have to keep a mountain of paperwork in your house you know taking up room loads of boxes everywhere full of receipts you can take a picture of the receipt and then just bin it because Mm -hmm. everything will be on the cloud um, and I think you know it's just you're just going to have people just have to be strict with themselves and think do you know what I can't actually use my Excel spreadsheet or my paper diary to write in my income. I'm going to have to do it. So it's just going to be a lot of trial and error, I think, with some people. Um, 
But I would just say, look, download QuickBooks or, or whichever one you prefer now and play around with it. Um, carry on doing how you'd normally record keep and play around with QuickBooks or Xero and then see if you get the same outcome at the end of the year. Yeah, and just get used to that new system and that idea of just as we are approaching our finances with setting aside one or two hours a week or month to look at them, same thing with this. Yeah. time we're introducing a new system, a new way of operating, we give it time and we grow into it and we kind of understand the ins and outs and we don't burn the old way down completely and then dive in, right? I guess no. you, know, you you could certainly do that. Um, but (laughs) try, (laughs) um, but it's, it's just a way of going, okay. Um, I I need to take little bites of this at a time because what you don't want to have to do is same thing with finances and taxes. It's the day before they're due and you have to spend all day working on it. Well, if you spread those hours out throughout the rest of the year, it's a little more manageable. Same thing with this. Anytime we're introducing a new system, do little by little and then you you know slowly you'll you'll work up to it. Yeah, exactly. I would never say, you know, bin whatever you're doing straight away, but do do both at the same time and you know compare what you've got at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. And if what you've got on QuickBooks is the same as what you've got written down or on your Excel spreadsheet, then you know you've done it right. If there's a massive difference, then you know you've gone wrong somewhere. Um, and then you've got time to look at it and see where you've gone wrong rather than waiting for April 2023 and then thinking, oh crap, you know, I've I've got to I've got to go on QuickBooks and I've no idea how to even open it. because right. um, then so yeah, I, I, my mission, whether it works or not, Colin, I don't know, but my mission is to get all my clients on QuickBooks uh next year and we'll see how it goes. Maybe we could do another podcast and yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you how it's gone. <laughs> yeah, got Godspeed on that because that'll be fun, I'm sure. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's an accountant's nightmare. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but once everything gets standardized for you on your end, then you at least have predictability and know how each person's system is going to be because it's all the same. Well, yeah, exactly. And it, it gives us access. You know, you can invite your accountant to your QuickBooks uh, and the other packages as well. So I've got a few already that invite me to their platforms so that I can go and have a look at what they've done. Mm. And obviously give them some pointers of you know how to classify certain um expenses um or maybe tell them which expenses that they've missed um again that that's another thing that there's a lot of expenses out there that people aren't claiming for and you know the more that you do that the more money you're given to the tax man which no one wants to do um so it's about it's about it's about learning as well about what you can and can't claim for which is another benefit of having someone uh, like an accountant or a bookkeeper who can say actually you can claim for your mobile telephone, you can claim for your petrol, you can claim for your MOTs and your, t- your tax and all that sort of stuff and your clothing. Um, you know, there's a lot of dog walkers out there who aren't claiming for like their boots and their coats and stuff like that. Now, you know, for me, that's an obvious expense, but might not be someone else. So again, I'd say find out what you can and can't claim for. And nine times out of 10, if it's business related, it'll be a yes. But there's the odd thing that you, you, you can't. Right. Well, and that's, again, another reason of, of why it's good to have some, some help, especially when you're first starting. It's, it's kind of weird. Like when you first start, you need the most help. And then whenever you get more complicated in a big business, you need more help. Uh, but like to, <laughs> yeah. to start tracking and understanding the ins and outs of what it means to operate a business 
again, this whole like what I can and can't deduct, like that is that is always a major topic every year of do I do, you know, here in the US, I know one of the big ones is do I deduct gas or do I deduct mileage or do I deduct wear and tear in the car? Or do I, you know, like you, you, yeah, being able same to, here as well. So, yeah, like that, that, making those kind of decisions, you know, you have to think more big picture in, in how your business is actually operating. Yeah, no, it's the same here. There's a, a lot of confusion around petrol and mileage and um, not necessarily for, for pet sitters and, and dog walkers, but, um, you know, a few of my clients are groomers and they, a lot of people have been saying that they can claim mileage to and from their salon, for example, mm. um, but which you can't. HMRC don't allow it, um, to use your commute as an expense, um, which is something that people don't know. And again, you know, if you use mileage, then you, that's incorporated everything. So that incorporates obviously your miles and the wear and tear of the car, right. whereas petrol and everything, it doesn't, you can, you can add that on. Um, again, that, that, again, that's a complicated topic that I'm sure a lot of people are probably doing wrong. Um, but again, it, it's just about having, trying for me, it's about putting that knowledge out there. I've got a Facebook group that I try my best to put as much information on there as possible so that people do it right. You know, for example, the, the mileage and petrol um, question always comes up and um, we have a use of house as an office as well. Again, not many people are aware of that and, you know, extra using extra electricity and water and gas. Um, so I try and put, the, the aim of me even doing these podcasts and stuff is to try and get that information out there so that people do it right. I was going to mention the whole having a home office thing. Um, that's something that I know we do. Um, but again, there are limitations to that. They do have rules about what you can use that space for and what you can't use that space for. And it like, you know, it can't just be the corner of your dining room table. Like it has to be a dedicated spot where that's where you do X percentage of the work. And even then it's okay. Do you deduct the square footage of that space or do you deduct just a, yeah. a whole class? So yeah, all those particulars. And again, this is kind of why it's really important to have some help and to have somebody to reach out to, to, to make sure that, that when we're operating our business, because you know we love pets so much. It is our passion. It is what, we many of us feel like we were born to do, and we yeah. want. And we want. I know one of the things that Megan and I are very passionate about, and I know you are too, is we want the best pet care providers there year after year. We want them to be able to run yeah. a business and and be able to operate successfully, day in and day out. We want the best people to be able to do that, so they need to be equipped with this kind of information so that they can do that. Yeah, exactly. You know, at the end of the day, if you're providing a really good service and looking after people's pets and your clients, you know, rely on you to, to offer that service and they feel comfortable and you, you build up a massive client base, if you then mess it up by not doing the finance bit properly um, and not setting yourself up properly, then and you end up, you know, God forbid it goes bust or, or something happens and then that client goes to another person who you know, maybe doesn't have the same work ethic or qualifications or hasn't really done it properly and it's just decided one day, or oh, you're not going to be a pet sitter or a dog groomer or a dog walker because they can. Um, you know, it, it leaves that person to then take your clients that you've worked really hard for. So, it, it, yeah, it's about getting that balance of, you know, doing what you love and, and doing that element of it properly 
but also let's get let's get all the other bits sort of all the basics done right first get that foundation and then you can build on it and take it wherever we want to take it i know a topic that uh megan and i hear a lot is is on record keeping you know how long do i need to actually be keeping my financial documents my financial records so in the uk you have to legally keep all your invoices and receipts for six years Hmm. um which seems an awful long time but you know if anyone wants to get audited by hmrc you know and they say right back in 2017 you you claimed this where's the receipt you have to be able to go and get that receipt and give it to them um obviously come 2023 that'll change because everything's going to be online and so you will be able to bin your receipts but up until that point everything must be kept for a minimum of six years put them in the shed put them in the loft bury them do what you want with them but you have to keep them (laughs) yeah here in the u.s i think it's around three years to keep them right Um, yeah, but even then, it's, uh, you know, it kind of hang on to them. And, and if you have the space, if you have the ability to hang on to them longer, you know, you, it's not going to hurt you <laughs> to, to do that. No, no, and it's always why. I do think six years is too long, in my opinion. I think three years is probably about right. Um, but yeah, it's just one of those one of those crazy rules. Yeah, yeah, but, you know, please don't, please, please don't bin any of your receipts or anything because it, you know, it's unlikely, really, that any a small business will get audited, but um, you never know. <clears throat> so, yeah, I'd always just keep them safe somewhere. Pet Perennials makes it easy as one, two, three to send a heartfelt condolence gift directly to someone with a broken heart. They have this awesome direct client gift service that takes the effort off of us as the business owners and ensures a thoughtful, personalized sympathy gift for each our client or employee. All gift packages include a handwritten card, colorful gift wrap, and shipping fees across the U.S. and Canada. They're releasing an array of milestone gifts and greeting cards throughout the rest of the year that can be sent to celebrate birthdays, extend well wishes, and welcome new or rescued pets. They also have a few gift options in case you need to send a sympathy gift in memory of a special human client. If you're interested, register for a free account to receive discounted package pricing rather than pay consumer prices. Since the service is leveraged on an as-need basis, there are no monthly or annual or minimum purchase obligations. Learn more and register using petperennials.com slash pages slash GPS. Enter the referral code PSC at registration and you'll get a unique coupon code to save $2 off any purchase in the first 90 days. And when we're talking about taxes here, um, I know there are a couple different strategies for reducing our our tax bill when that time comes. So I was curious how you approach that and what your kind of philosophy is behind how businesses can lower their taxes. Um, for me, in this industry, um, and I, I mean, I've said it before, a lot of people aren't recording things properly. Um, and it's such a high percentage um, of people in this industry not doing it. And, and that's probably what's making their tax bills quite high. Mm. So it's all about getting all of your expenses down. You know, if you just keep a, a shoebox of receipts or you don't keep them logically and you lose them, then that's money lost and that means a higher tax bill because um, obviously you get taxed on your profit. So, you know, if you've earned 50 grand and you've only got, you know, two grand's worth of expenses because you've lost half of them, then obviously you're going to get a massive tax bill. 
Um, so for me, the main the main point is making sure you record everything because that is what's going to keep your tax bill down is recording all of your expenses you know because you know if you make 80 grand but you've only got 100 pounds worth of expenses then you know you're gonna there's no avoiding a big tax bill um you know if you make the money you're going to have to pay tax at the end of the day but if you're not recording your stuff properly then that's what's going to have the hit um, and like I said to you before, that lady who didn't, wasn't going to put that expense through, made the difference between a hundred pound tax bill and a seven thousand pound tax bill. Um, and it's it's all about it's all about your expenses, and people aren't utilising what they can claim for, and, and that's what I found just specific to this industry. It is the worst is that people aren't claiming because they don't know, and that's fair enough. Um, but it's about ask someone, ask the question, you know, if you've got free advice at my Facebook group, you know, it's all free. I, I throw all the advice out there. Anyone can ask me any question um, and I'll, I'll give this so that everyone can see because everybody much is in the same book. But it's just ask the question. Don't feel like you're asking a silly question because it's not, you know, at the end of the day, you guys aren't accountants. The same as I'm not, you know, a, a dog walker or a dog groom. I wouldn't have the first clue um, where to start. So it's just about asking the questions and getting the help. And again, I think that in this industry is probably what will make the difference between a £100 tax bill and a £7,000 tax bill is asking the questions, get help, don't be afraid to to ask someone, but ask a professional. Don't ask your mate on Facebook what they do because how do you know they're doing it right? You know, if they give advice, they might not be doing it right. So ask a professional as always ask a professional don't ask your mate on facebook um because you might not always get the right answer uh, but yeah for me that that is that is probably that that is probably the main one it is it's claiming for what you can claim for which sounds really simple but that's just what it is <laughs> well sometimes the simplest is the yeah. best and you know and, and what i what i don't hear you saying and and is is okay well if you've made a hundred thousand you know dollars you need to spend a lot of that to lower your tax bill, right? It's not spend money no, to save money. It's, it's, it's track your, yeah, <laughs> track your expenses and deduct the legitimate ones to to to, to lower it. Yeah, because a lot of people say, "Oh, I might just buy myself, you know, five iPads <laughs> because I'm, you know, I haven't got many expenses." But then you're spending, you know, five grand on pointless equipment that you don't need. When you could use that five grand to pay your tax bill, that makes sense. So there's yeah. no point in spending money to try and lower your tax bill because you're then still wasting five grand by buying stuff that you don't need. Um, so yeah, you're 100 percent right. Just just make use of what you can claim for. Mm-hmm. Get help, research it. Um, you know, 99 times out of 100, whatever you spend on the business will probably be an allowable expense. Um, there's right. so many people out there not utilizing, uh, you know, on my website, I've got a free list of expenses that people can download, which just gives um, a very basic generic list of things that people don't necessarily think about um, so that it maybe will jog people's memory. But I guess it's the same in the US as well. Um, you know, it's, it's all about getting the right expenses and don't fall into the trap of making stuff up. I've never realized that. No, it it really, it really can become a a a murky system, especially because sometimes the 
what you can deduct one year changes the next year or the limits yeah. are different. And so, yeah. I, you know, getting advice or the, just saying you looked it up one time doesn't mean it's the exact same thing the next year. It's, you know, sometimes it's a safe bet, but, you know, the, things do change in the tax system and the tax code. And so, oh, God, yeah. <laughs> which, which I'm we sure get you're... textbooks every year. We get really thick textbooks every year of all the changes, and you know, we've we've got to keep on track of that as well. Because, like you say, you know, what can be claimed this year might change next year, and it's not as if they openly publish it and say, "Today we've changed this." You know, mm. you get the books, you get the, the literature, and you have to read it and say, "Oh, actually, okay, that percentage has changed," or that's changed or we can't do that anymore and again sometimes even we get caught out in the stuff that we need to look up um just to double check but yeah it it does change so i many times throughout you've said ask and talk to a professional and work with a professional what what makes a good accountant in in your mind (laughs) um it's all about for me it's all about communication you know if you speak to someone, a lot of people have had their accountants for years. And that's because, you know, A, they do a good job. The communication's there. You know, they're not having to wait 10 weeks for a reply to an email. Or, you know, they can ring up and ask a question and say, actually, do you know what? If I buy this, can I do that? Or can I claim this? And that's probably why most people leave is either because there's a lack of communication between um, the client and the accountant or maybe the price um there's another one otherwise people will stay with their accountant for years i mean my uncle started 30 years ago and he still got the, the same clients that he had 30 years ago mm. um and that's because you know the communications there that they're not waiting for stuff they feel that they can ring and ask a question so for me it's about getting the advice being able to have that relationship with your accountant that you can just pick up the phone or send them an email and that you're not waiting you know weeks and weeks for a reply and that they are explaining stuff to you there is no point if you go to probably more if you go to like a high street accountancy firm you know mostly they'll just give you the accounts and that's it I'll speak to you in 12 months time and there's no explanation around what the figures are they just get sent them they sign it they submit it and that's it speak to you in 12 months Mm. so for me for those people who want to understand you need to get someone who's going to take the time to explain all those figures that will happily you know talk to you on Saturday and you know the pet professional industry people work weekends um so I don't say to my friends why won't you open Monday or Friday because that's not going to help an industry that works weekends so I always say to people, look, if it's a weekend, you know, and you've got a burning question, you know, send me an email. I, I will reply to it um, on the weekend. And again, it's it's just about those little extras. If you've got an accountant that you don't speak to and who just throws figures at you and doesn't explain anything, then how, again, yes, you went and got the professional to, to do the figures, but do you actually understand them? And like you said earlier, there's no point getting someone else to do it if you then still don't understand the figures because you're not really you're not going to get anywhere so i think price again is one make sure you're not getting ripped off uh, and two is, is communication and, and making sure that you have that relationship an account really should be an extension of your business you know i always say to my clients look i know i've done your accounts now but please please ring me if you need anything because a lot of people just think 
oh, once they've done your account, that's it. I'm done. I can't speak to you for twelve months, which is probably the experience they've had with someone else. But yeah, it's it's all about communication for me. If you don't have that and you don't have that relationship, um, then it's not going to work. And again, I always have sort of um, chats with potential clients before I say yes, because if we don't get on, then there's no point me saying yes to doing your accounts because. If we don't have that relationship, then it just doesn't work. Viewing them as an asset to your company, to your business. Yeah. They, they're there to help you. Yes, you're, you're paying them for their service, but they, they want to see you succeed. And, and if somebody just you know, is like, okay, email me documents or drop them off and I'll talk to you later or isn't willing to have conversations about... Because again, as a business owner, you want to know what's going on behind the scenes and be open to being educated and learning. And if you're working with somebody who doesn't want to be teaching or who doesn't want to be helping you in that way, that's not a really good partnership that's going to help you thrive. No, no. And, you know, some people might like that. Some people might not want to talk to their accountant every five minutes. But um, again, sure. it's, 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 it's what, you, what you want and what you want out of the relationship just as much as, you know, what the accountant needs. You've got to be able to pick up that phone and, and have that conversation with people. What are some of your favorite resources that you go to that you like to read or look up or listen to to stay on top of these kind of topics and and stay fresh on what what's changing? Um. So oh, this is be really dull for everyone, but um, <laughs> we uh, we I I subscribe to certain literature which is aimed for accountants. Um that we get delivered every year um, that I tend to to read. Um, and to be honest, I, um, I Google quite a bit and, and watch, uh, listen to podcasts and, and YouTube videos. And what I don't do, tend to do as much as go on the government, the Gov UK website, because, you know, it's not the easiest of things to navigate. Um, and I can understand why people get frustrated when they want to say, when they want to Google, you know, can I claim petrol? And it takes you to the Gov UK website, and it's not always straightforward. Um, it's easy for sort of professionals to read and understand, but it's not necessarily easy for everybody else. Um, and I think the literature that I look at so probably wouldn't be suitable for you know your average person, business owner. Um, but you know, if you're wanting to look up certain stuff, I mean, you could start with the government website, but. You'd probably be able to pick a little bit, but it's all about just doing research um, and using and using the internet to your advantage. Um, and again, probably the easiest way for people to get information is to ask a professional, because you can Google, you know, can I claim petrol as an expense as a sole trader, and you'll probably get five million different answers um, and loads of different platforms. So my answer to that question, other than the boring literature that accountants read, um, and I'm in various different groups on Facebook as well, and we talk to each other as accountants, you know, we bounce ideas off each other and, you know, we have the odd argument about various different things um, because sometimes it can be a bit ambiguous. But I would say for everyone else who just wants that information, probably the easiest and quickest way is to ask someone and ask professionals, ask them the question, because you probably get a very straightforward answer rather than sort of reading through uh, the depths of the gov.uk website and, you know, all the other pages on, on Google that will bring up probably contradictory answers. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, it, it's probably the simplest way, Colin. It's just ask someone who knows what they're talking about, and they'll give you a very straightforward answer. Because <laughs> otherwise, I, you go on Google, and there's just a minefield. Oh yeah, uh, this this year when we were filing our taxes, I was doing something a little bit different, and I was trying to make sure I was doing it properly. And it was totally it's like, oh, go read this help document, and the help document was written by the oh. U.S. government IRS tax officials. <laughs> Like this is not helpful at all. Like, why? Why would you send people to this document? This is awful. <laughs> and no, and it's probably the same here. It's really bad. You look at it, and even I look at them sometimes and think, "What on earth?" <laughs> like, it is really, really difficult. And to be honest, from from what I've heard of of your system, I'm glad I'm not an accountant in the US. I think it'd be far too complicated with all the different states and all that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, we have the same here. It'll take you to like a 500 page document about petrol. And you're like, I can't, I can't read that. Just, just ring an accountant or ring a bookkeeper and just ask. <laughs> uh, a lot, you know, a lot of people wouldn't charge for that. If you know, a lot of people message me on Facebook with the odd question. Um, and, sure. you know, I'm more than happy to answer it because it's a lot easier and a lot quicker for them just to ask someone than it is to troll through you know, a 500 page government document about expenses. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. It is nice to, to reach out and get help and understand that while this can be um, scary, while it can be daunting, especially when we're just starting out, or again, when we start getting a little bit more complicated business structures, um, there is help out there and there are ways to, to work through it. And so, uh, Vicky, yeah. I, I, w- I really want to thank you for coming on and shining some light on this topic and helping encourage us to start doing some uh, better record keeping and tracking and getting organized as a foundation so that we can understand our numbers and know what's going on in our business to make those good decisions. Um, But as with all things and especially taxes, I know that there's a lot more questions that people are going to have (laughs) as the ever changing world around us. And so uh, how can people, get in touch with you, get connected to your Facebook group, and start learning more about how to um, have their their finances taken care of? So my Facebook group um, is called Accounting for Pet Professionals. Um, so if you just put that into Facebook, it should come up. It's like an orange and white banner. Um, and I will accept uh, people in there in that group and like I say I, I put loads of free stuff on there I do various um, Facebook lives about various topics as well um, if people don't use Facebook then my website again like I said there's a, there's a free PDF uh, with expenses on there which is www.petaccountant.co.uk um, and again they can contact me via the website um, personally or via Facebook Perfect. And I'll have links to your website and the Facebook group so people can click right to that. Uh, Vicki, this has been a a very helpful conversation. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. That's all right. No problem at all, Colin. Thank you for having me. So do you know your business finances? My big takeaway from Vicki is that it is critical and mission critical to the survival of our businesses that we not only know our numbers, but we stay on top of being organized with them. Not just so that come tax time, it's easier to file taxes, but so that we can make more informed, better decisions about our business. When we understand where our money is going and where it's coming from, when it comes time to shift or to move into a different market or to hire or to raise prices or when to stop and take a breath, 
we can make that in confidence and we don't have to feel like we're guessing and we don't have to feel like we don't know what's going on. And that's the power of knowing our finances and knowing our numbers. So we'd love to hear how you stay on top of your finances and what it means to you to know about them and to continue to learn. So you can send that to feedback at petsterconfessional.com or look us up anywhere on social media. We want to thank our sponsors, Time to Pet and Pet Perennials for making today's show possible. And we really want to thank you for listening and for showing up today and for sharing in all that you do to engage with the episodes and to be part of this awesome community. We hope you have a wonderful rest of the week and we will be back again soon.